Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Podcast. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022. Coming right up, it is the Book of Psalms, chapter 85. We're going to be learning about forgiveness and our union with God. This is a really cool psalm. Don't you dare miss it. But first, please consider your part in the many-membered body of Christ. The Companion Chapel is a registered nonprofit ministry. Make this your church. Make biblical literacy your identity. Get involved in the church administration today or the Companion Chapel homesteading community. We have a big garden going out here. We have 77 acres of land right on the Saugine River with 25 acres of woodlot, lots of fields, lots of room, tiny homes, mobile homes, whatever you choose. Get involved in the Companion Chapel homesteading community today. As it's written in Isaiah chapter 45, we are to assemble ourselves together. And in this Psalms 85, to be a union together. Get involved in the church administration today. Get a hold of the Companion Chapel at companionchapel at gmail.com. That's your call to action. That's your call to action in the here and now. Now please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 85 and verse 1. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. And now it's brought back the captivity of Jacob. Okay, he did it back then. Now this is like David's time. And he restored Jacob, or restored David back to his uh, fortunes, back to his security, his stability. His, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, now the true David is coming back to get us again. From the captivity of the ways and things of the world, all the evil in the world that is instigated by Satan and perpetuated by the human heart. But remember, all God's prophecies occur and develop in partial and preliminary happenings before they become fulfilled and permanent. All these things were for examples for us as it's written. So God brought them back. Why? Because thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people and thou hast covered all their sin. How do you forgive somebody if they repent? That is the universal law. That's God's law. You repent. That means you have a change of heart. You're sorry and you don't think about it to do it again. You don't intend to do it again. And you certainly don't do it again. This word covered means pardon. This word means forgiveness. Now God has to teach forgiveness because if we don't forgive, if we don't forgive others, it's not because they deserve it or they've earned it. But we forgive because it brings freedom. And it brings freedom to our mental health and it brings freedom to our lives. Now, God's not going to sit there and say, I'm not going to forgive these people. He puts the sin behind us. He covers it. He he pardons it upon repentance. It has no value. It has a negative value to sit there and rub somebody's face in something they've done a long time ago after they've had a change of heart. Because what happens when people don't forgive you have to, like, we're, we're told to mourn for these people that walk in darkness. When somebody comes up to you, and this happens to me all the time, right out of my personal family, oh, what you did back in 2000, what, what, the, whatever, whatever year, or back in 1990, whatever, what you did, always rubbing someone's face in it. And that happens to me all the time. And you find these people that they're unforgiving, and it brings anger and bitterness to themselves into every new experience. It doesn't matter what we try, what I try and do with these people. They bring this bitterness with them into every new scenario, every new experience. They're so wrapped up in what's wrong that they can never enjoy the presence. They're always looking for something wrong. They're always trying to discredit the person that they can't forgive. And that's on them. 
because they can't come into the kingdom of heaven if they're still holding things against other people. Jesus Christ makes that perfectly clear. It's not like when you repent to the Lord Jesus Christ, he holds a grudge. But grudges and bitterness leads to depression and anxieties. And it makes people like, what's your purpose in life then? If, that's, if you end up at odds with your spiritual beliefs, you lose valuable and rich enriching connectedness with others. I've lost total relationships with people in my family because they can't get over the past. And they always say, it's always the people that say, like if they're pointing fingers or saying, making statements to discredit you, say, oh, you can't get over the past. You're angry. All these empty catchphrases that they can't let go of because really, they can't let go of the past, and they're angry. And that's sad. It just destroys the precious little time that we have together. Like forgiveness always leads to freedom from bitterness and grudges and pointing fingers at other people. Some people, when they get bitter at first, like it's a natural human emotion. If you've been wronged, people like almost feel empowered by it. But it always is short-lived, that empowering feeling of pointing fingers at somebody. Because it leads to deterioration of life. It leads to mortification of the soul. It will never lead to anything positive and certainly not into the kingdom of heaven, a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. Jesus Christ forgives when we didn't deserve it. Forgive others so you can get away from bitterness and grudges and finger pointing and thinking that you'd like when it's a perfect world let me know you have to consider human frailty that's how God forgives but don't push it remember there's some very daunting verses in the Bible about pushing it and just thinking that you can just sin on Friday night uh, repent on Sunday and then repeat on Monday very daunting verses in the Bible, and we're going to read one daunting verse here as soon as I can find it. It's in the book of Hebrews, and of course, Paul penned this, and it says that uh, Hebrews 10, 26, For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for your sins. You can't just maliciously go ahead and keep sinning. Keep pointing fingers at others, not forgiving, or whatever malicious sin you're engaged in. And then go, oh, Jesus will forgive me. I uh, forgive. And then that's, you wake up in the morning, go do the same thing again. Hebrews 10, 26, very daunting verse. God's not messing around here. My Bible teacher used to tell me for years and years, hey, it's coming up, you know, it's getting late in the game, he used to say. Dude, now he's passed on. God bless that guy. But now it is late in the game. We're watching biblical prophecy come to pass to the letter. The book of Revelation is playing itself out right in front of us right now. God's wrapping up the affairs of time on this age. And you can't hold anything with you. Matthew chapter 5, people that have disdain for others, that point fingers at others, that slander others, that want to see no good, that think they're better than others. There's people that I know personally thinking they're better than others because they have money and they look down at others they call them failures that haven't engaged in the world of business even though all's fair in business war genocide child labor destroying this atmosphere destroying this plant polluting the oceans oh but if you've engaged in that according to these people who who i actually love 
you're a loser. You're, you, you, that's the only way you're a winner. If you don't engage in it, you're a loser. And that's what they think. Well, I'd rather be a loser in the ways and things of the world. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 too, do not conform to the ways and things of the world. You can't go up in front of the Lord Jesus Christ and go, yeah, Jesus, I made millions of dollars. And uh, yeah, at the expense of what? Hey, all's fair in business. Total absence of humanity. God's watching us. He's, and he's right in front of us. He's just beyond our current understanding and perception of physics. He's right in front of us with the other two-thirds that did not fall. So God covers his sin. He turns away from fierceness and anger. He doesn't hold a grudge. He's not bitter. Okay, turn us, O oh God, of our salvation. That's the salvation. He's, he's your heavenly father. He wants his children back and cause that anger towards us to cease. That's up to you on an individual basis. Of course, how's God get angry? He just lifts the veil off of you and says, oh, you want to walk in the ways and things of the world? Go for it. There are many things that seem righteous unto man, but they lead to death. That's how you learn. Hey, if you want to perpetuate evil, then God says, hey, I'm not going to violate the principles of free will because I only want free will entities back that love me and want to live in a place of peace. Anybody else, hey, there's a spot for you. There's a highway going there. Highway to hell. Listen, uh, okay, we're on verse um, 6. Will thou not revive us again that the people may rejoice in thee? Yeah, that's up to you. Of course you will. He's coming back and with the Lord Jesus Christ. He can revive you now upon repentance. And you get a working knowledge of the Bible. You can't romanticize who you think God is. And that's all there is to it. You can remember Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 7. He says, hey, depart from me. You never took the time to get to know me. And he's talking to churchy church people. You just didn't get the time to get to know me. This one book, the living word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. He's our teacher, our master, our rabbi, our wonderful counselor. He knew he was going to suffer for us, and he did it. And he didn't have to. And he suffered for us, and because of us, and because of me, and because of you, because of what's inside of us is not conducive to a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. We can't pay the price he did, but he will accept your change of heart. He will revive us upon that. Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. Now he has. Back then for David, yeah, that was burnt sacrifices. Now the salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. When you say Yeshua Messiah, you're saying salvation of Yahweh, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. He speaks to us through this word. That's what prophet means then, was to foretell what was going to happen and pro a prophet now because the bible says your sons and daughters shall prophesy means to forth tell we declare the sacred word we testify the testimony of our lord jesus christ the spirit of prophecy the intellect of the sacred testimony and that's your call to action is to help glorify magnify and broadcast god's saving word now and today think about the affairs of time infinity back infinity forward that's incomprehensible to us. Now, think about this little teeny flesh age, this little vapor of time. We're living on borrowed time. God didn't, ha God didn't have to send his Savior down. He could have just let evil destroy us all. 
but he gave us a way out. That's pure, unadulterated love from a father that has to do what he has to do to get the world rid of evil. He can't just come down here and fix everything and go, okay, this is the way it is, this is the way it is. It's still in people's hearts. To get it out of people's hearts, that has to be a free will gesture, and God will not violate the principles of free will, and you cannot violate the principles of God without consequence. Surely, his salvation is nigh to them that revere him. Okay, revere, revere and fear, we go over that all the time. It's the same word in the Hebrew, yeah, right? And if you're, you fear God if you're doing something wrong, but you revere him if you're not, and you're trying your best. That glory may dwell in our land, mercy and truth are met together. Righteous and peace have kissed each other. Watch this. That's a union. And we read about this union in Zechariah chapter 11, verse 7. I will feed the flock of the slaughter, even you, even you and me, O poor of the flock. That's all of us. We're in the slaughter right now. We could easily get slaughtered. Well, we're all going to die anyway in the flesh. But fear not those who can kill the flesh, but that can kill the soul. Because I took, this is God speaking, I took with me two staves. That's two, that's what a shepherd holds, okay? A shepherd uses a crook or a staff or a club. It's just what a shepherd. He is our shepherd, Psalms 23, our good shepherd, our great shepherd. He was our chief shepherd, O poor of the flock. That's us. We are the one-third that fell. And I took unto me two staves, and I called one beauty, and I called the other one bands, and I fed the flock. Beauty is graciousness, bands is union. Put these together, we have local 1,000, the divine completeness, God's glory. That's the local union you want to be in. That's not just the greatest thing. Zechariah chapter 11, 7. When we see these things coming together, this divine union, and you can't get in there. Unless you submit with unquestioned obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, you say, I surrender my entire existence to you, my Lord Jesus Christ. You're the only one I trust. Please cleanse me with your Holy Spirit. Please cover me in your veil. Wrap me in your vesture. Please hold my hand, my Lord Jesus Christ. You're the only one I trust. My heart belongs to you, my Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that prayer for all of you people out there so that we can get on to a place of peace beyond our present comprehension and out of these nagging nuisance flesh bodies, Satan and all the evil in the world and whoever wants to perpetuate it, they have to go to hell. And that's all there is to it. We pray for those people. Hey, just have a change of heart. But they won't do it. And there's a lot of people that won't do it. It's because they are engaged in unadulterated, ruthless greed. It doesn't matter. It's like the three bankers I talked to the other day. I said, dude, you guys... Uh, We'll invest in anything as long as it has a return. And they said, you're damn right we will. If as long as it's got a return, we'll invest in it. Child labor, these batteries, these new batteries, like all the cobalt, graphite, and uh, lithium. It comes from labor exploitation, child labor, the pollution on the planet Earth. They don't care. They just absolutely don't care. The war, they made a ton of money off the war through those companies like Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, Northrop. $100 billion worth of weapons these guys sell here to anybody. They're all American companies. This is the American government doing this. That's why they perpetuate war. They need war to make money. Started one in Afghanistan, then they moved to Iraq, and then back to Afghanistan, and now, oh, geez, who is it? Matthew Hayes or Gregory Hayes, CEO 
of Raytheon Technologies, which just makes weapons of mass destruction in the United States, standing there in front of that infamous stock exchange bell in New York. Big smile, people patting him on the back. It's January, the war in Ukraine hasn't started yet. You know what he says? There's some great opportunities over in Europe right now, in Ukraine and in the South China Sea, for us to make money. Their stocks went up because America started that war to make money. Just absence of humanity. You think those people are going to be in our divine union? One local 1,000, God's divine union of righteousness, of mercy, of truth. Raytheon Technologies. Just, just beyond my present comprehension of just how anyone could possibly not check out their investment portfolio and see what's in it and see what you're investing in because you should be investing in God's word. It's the greatest investment. It will get you a place to peace beyond our present comprehension. It's not about short-term profit. That's all they think about. Make, make the world a better place or make money right now. They don't care. Total absence of humanity. Total disregard for God and his planet and his children. Be careful what union you belong to. God's union or Satan's union, which is none other than the 666. Truth shall, truth, truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good. He will give you what you need, but not what you greed. Well, I say truth shall spring out of the earth. Shall is yet future because the truth is being smokescreened right now by doubt, by people believing false ideologies over, over what's really happening in front of their own eyes. Like, once you, once you believe fi false ideologies, then the truth is impossible. You, you, it's right in front of your eyes. That's why it says lightning, thunders, and brimstone in the Bible. Thunders get your attention. Lightning is, you can't ignore that lightning. Like it's flashing you, a brimstone flashing you right in the eyes. But people, that, no, they'll just call it alternative facts. They try and discredit people by saying things like conspiracy theory, which only, what's conspiracy theory was just another military word for, um, I forget now, counterintelligence. That's where the conspiracy theory came from. You know, the American government's going to milk terrorism to stay in power. And obviously the first casualty of war is the truth. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing politicians lying to manipulate a false reality. They make it like easy the way it's produced on TV and in the mainstream media and in social media to believe things that are false. They've weaponized mistrust. That's their union. That's not God's union, Local 1000. Divine completeness. This is the union of hatred, distrust. By they, they, they create apprehension by creating a clear dividing line. It's like us and them. Down in the United States, it's Republican and Democrat. Do you who do you think owns those newspaper or the, the big giant multimedia outlets? Do you think the guys that own the liberal ones or the left-wing ones and the guys that own the right-wing ones argue? Dude, they got their yachts, their super yachts parked side by side. They're laughing at humanity. We're, we're just consumers to them. We're expendable and surplus. They make division. 
It makes them money. The owners, the same families of those giant multimedia outlets, they're all friends. They all go to the same resorts. They all go to the same marinas. They all go to the same fancy pants restaurants. They don't care about humanity. Humanity is a commodity. They create hatred, apprehension, distrust, division, and chaos because it makes them money. Get people going on non-issues because they have an agenda, and their agenda is valid and legit. But it's just a total absence of humanity, what they have planned for us. You can check it on the World Economic Forum website. You can read Forbes magazine. I study both sides of the argument. Their argument is legit. It's valid. But again, an absolute absence of humanity. They weaponize mistrust. The media is the enemy of the people. We're in a post-truth world. It's post-truth. Enforced and propagated by the mainstream media, the social media. Who is the schoolmaster of the world? Satan himself. People just believe anything they see on a screen. If they can identify with the influencer on the screen, the anchor person or the celebrity, then they just they don't even bother engaging in any critical thinking. Anyways, let's just carry on here. And our land shall, and the Lord shall give that which is good. And our land shall yield her increase. God made us a, a self-sustaining plan of perpetual life, creating a spectacular order and beauty, a crown jewel of the universe. He will restore this planet again. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set up the ways of his steps. He's the righteous one. He's the king of the just. Melchizedek, our Lord Jesus Christ. Get in that union. Uh, you, the Divine Union Local 1000. I want to thank you very much for listening. Get involved in the Companion Chapel podcast, please. If you could help support this podcast in any way, it's just me out here all by myself. I do these all the time as much as I can. But if you can help me with my nutritional and environmental requirements, that would just be the greatest thing. It takes me hours and hours and hours to study, and I do all this by myself. Please get involved in the church administration today to help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word from wherever you are, if you're local or if you're far away. You can do it online just by promoting this podcast, or if you want me to do video, let me know. Come and help me do it, or you can just give me instruction on how to do it, or I could upload it to you, and you could just get it out there. Whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. Listen, my name is Mike, companionchapel at gmail.com. I want to thank you very much for listening. Have yourself a great day and bye for now.